I prayed to God every night. I still do that. I just wanted, um, I wanted God to know that even though I was going through the worst of times, I still recognized it as being something greater than myself. And that I'm not going to give up my faith just because it's going bad for me. Because he was there when I was living good. So I just want him to know that, you know, that I'm not no punk, that I'm not soft-hearted. That when it gets bad, I'm going to be like, oh, I don't believe in God no more. I believe in God all the time, every day, all day. Good and bad, rough and hard, five shots, jail time, everything. Good time, million dollars, Benzes, all that. I always believe in God because he gave it all to me. Jesus, yeah, isn't really a massive part of my life, I'm going to say. But I, I feel like he's real. I, I think he definitely was a historical figure. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say he's definitely at present now, but like he was at one point in time, he was alive. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Great to be speaking to you once again. If you're watching this at our Shoreham site, Oasis site, Hove site, Clarendon Centre, or watching this online, we're in a series. Thanks for joining us. Series is called uh, Virtual Jesus. And we're looking at the I am statements that Jesus made as referenced and described in John's Gospel. And we've had quite a few dramatic things that Jesus has said, and we've looked at them in detail. Last week we had Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. We've also had Jesus say, I am the light of the world. And in a few weeks time, next week, we'll be looking at Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Today, we're looking at the statement where, well, you've just heard Jesus says, I am the door. Somehow I feel I've got the short store here a little bit with this one because doors are not really that uh, exciting, are they? I mean, we're actually in the process of uh, moving house. And if I'd gone to view a house and come back to my family and say, oh, it's a great house. And they said, what's great about it? I said, well, it's got really good doors. They would look at me askance, wouldn't they? I mean, doors are not that exciting. You don't really eulogise uh, about doors. Actually, doors are functional. What's most important of all is What's on one side of the door and what's on the other side of the door? I don't know if you've had the experience in your life of going through a significant door. Perhaps you had the opportunity to go through the head teacher's office door when you were a school child. I'm sure for good reason, of course. I don't know if you've ever had the experience, like myself, of being an airport and looking longingly at the door to the business lounge and wishing that you could go through that door and be on the inside of that door and your children on the other side of the door. That would be nice. I was going to say by way of example and talk about going through the door of the players' lounge at the Amex, but then recently someone at the Shoreham site said to me, they've got a little bit tired of footballing analogies, and so I'm not going to leave that out, because I thought, fair point. I'm sure many others think the same as well, so I won't use that one. I'll talk about going through backstage at a Taylor Swift concert and make another section of listeners wince by saying that. What, is, what does it mean that Jesus is the door? What is he the door to? Well, 
The passage that we've just heard actually is will be familiar to you if you've been journeying with us in this series because it's the context of Jesus saying, I'm the good shepherd. And actually the first time he says, I'm the door, he says, I'm the door of the sheep. We've got this sort of picture going on. And when we looked at Jesus being the good shepherd, we talked about how that idea of God being a shepherd for his people, the sheep, is a theme that runs right the way through the Bible. And so if Jesus is saying, I'm the door to the sheep. An obvious interpretation of that is Jesus saying, I am in the way in to to know God. And similarly, in Matthew's gospel, we have this idea of Jesus being the door as well, but the door to the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Knock and it'll be open to you. Jesus is the gateway into relationship with God. That might be an obvious application and interpretation of what Jesus is saying. And indeed, the second time that Jesus, in this short passage that Jesus says, I am the door, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So there we have sort of a general salvation language. Now, I believe that Jesus means more than just a doorway to eternal life and a choice, a choice between life and death and eternal life and eternal death. That is what I'm actually going to focus on in this message. But he is actually referring to more than that, I believe. And we'll, we'll get into some of those themes when we start to talk about Jesus being the way and the truth and the life where there's some overlap here. So we're going to focus on this more binary idea of Jesus being a doorway to life, eternal life or death. Jesus as the door, meaning the way of salvation. That exclusive claim of Jesus, which is part of what he's saying here, is a statement that many people in the world in which we live don't really like or don't really associate closely with Jesus because as we've been saying in this series, many people have a a virtual Jesus, a Jesus of their imagination where Jesus is just nice and he says nice things and encourages us all to be nice with one another. And so an idea of Jesus saying, no, I am the door. The door to God, the door to salvation exclusively, that doesn't really fit with many people's ideas of the nice Jesus that they hold in their head. We might associate this idea of a a doorway. There's a doorway to heaven and there's a doorway to hell and you need to be on the right side of that. That's more associated with sort of authoritarian, maybe churches or institutions or cults even. They try to have leaders that manipulate people and say, well, you need to enter this door, so that means you need to do this, this and this. And it's a way of controlling people. And people nowadays are very suspicious and in some degrees, understandably so, of that type of idea that this, the doorway is a sort of a, a carrot and really stick approach to just controlling people. That's where we associate this idea with not so much friendly Jesus, but here it is, Jesus has said, I am the door. And Jesus, even in saying this, seems to acknowledge that other people do make other claims. Jesus pits himself against them and he calls them thieves and robbers. And they try to steal and kill and destroy and lead you astray. Don't listen to them. Listen to me. If you want to be saved, you need to come to me. Watch out for those charlatans. It's like Jesus saying, I'm the door of the sheep. Everyone else is trying to fleece you. Do you like that? I was quite impressed with myself when I came up with that. And I was thinking, why didn't Jesus actually literally say that? It's a great pun. He missed an opportunity. And then I realised it probably doesn't work in the Greek, does it? 
it's a, in a pluralistic society, this type of exclusive claim stands out. A virtual Jesus might be, mm, come to me if you like, and if you don't like, don't worry about it. <laughs> but the real Jesus, the Jesus, we take him at his word. He says, I am the door, enter by me to be saved. And by saying that, Jesus is either right or he's wrong. He's either trustworthy or he's worth ignoring. And the truth is, I can't convince you, if you're not convinced by Jesus' word, I can't convince you. But my prayer is that as we look at this, this statement in more detail and unpack it, that Jesus himself, by his spirit, will speak to you and convince you of his trustworthiness, that he is speaking, as he says at the beginning of this passage, truly, truly, listen to my truth. It's a work of the spirit. Let's ask firstly, where does this idea of door come from? When we read the gospel accounts of Jesus and the New Testament entirely, it's, it's sometimes helpful to look at the Old Testament as a helpful way of understanding, well, what would the original hearers of Jesus' words understand when Jesus said something like this, like, I am the door? Because that actually is an idea that we find in the Old Testament as well. Psalm 118 says, this is the gate of the Lord, the righteous shall enter through it. And there's an idea of God wanting his people to come to him because in the covenantal promises of God is the place of blessing and of flourishing. There's even a reference in Jesus' language of going in and going out, referencing Deuteronomy 28, where there's instructions to God's people. And it's like, if you live by these instructions that God is giving you, you're going in, you're going out, your everyday life will be living in the blessing of God. And it's a reminder that the Old Testament instruction of God to his people, even though we can characterize it as like the rule system, God's heart was still that his people might live under his blessing and the protection of living in his ways. And there's a doorway into that and there's an in and there's an out. There's also a very strong connection here, <coughs> excuse me, with what Jesus, the language that Jesus is using and a passage in Ezekiel 34 where the bad shepherds of Israel are described when God's people were led astray by their own sinful hearts and by bad leaders who didn't act like God, the good shepherd, but they fed themselves rather than the sheep. And there's a feature of that in Jesus's ministry. If you read through the gospel accounts, Jesus is calling out the hypocrites and the leaders that lead people astray and that are robbing people. That's all in here as well. God's desire has been for his people to live under his blessing, to live in the security of the fold of God. So how does this work? Well, I was thinking about this this week. The context of Jesus saying, I am the door, is the context of Jesus also saying, I am the good shepherd. And that creates a bit of a question. I don't know if it does in your mind. How can Jesus be a shepherd, and he's also saying, I'm also the door into the sheepfold. There's two different ideas playing off the same imagery there. There's complexity to it. Actually, in the verse that we didn't read out, verse 6, just before this, it says, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. 
It's clear even to Jesus' disciples who are with it, they didn't quite get what Jesus is saying. And there is tension in the way that Jesus is describing himself. Because not only do you have Jesus say, I'm the good shepherd, he's now saying, I'm the door into the sheepfold of God. But then he's also, earlier on in John's gospel, you might know there's a famous time that John the Baptist sees Jesus for the first time and, and John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is there described as a lamb. So he's a lamb, he's the shepherd, and now he's the door into the sheepfold as well. How can Jesus be all three things? Wonderfully so, <laughs> is the answer. And actually, as we grapple with this, it takes us right into the heart of the gospel message, the message of the Bible. God's message of salvation, because Jesus is God, man, and also the way of salvation, the reconciler between God and people like you and me. In fact, the whole story of the Bible, the gospel message of God, you can describe in terms of this picture of sheep and shepherd. God is the shepherd. God is the creator, God is the ruler of all things, and God made people, God made sheep, you could say. People that he would live in relationship with, people like you and me, made the sheep for his fold to enjoy his blessing and live under his protection. But the story of the Bible is that people, the sheep, rejected the voice of the shepherd, disobeyed what he said, and turned sinfully away from him. And therefore they were scattered and went outside this blessing and protection that God wanted for them and outside the fold. But God, the good shepherd, always had a rescue plan. Always had a rescue plan that Jesus, the Son, the Saviour would come. And that's what the incarnation is about. Jesus, the Son of God, coming into the world to save the world. Now, does he come as one who is the shepherd, God, or sheep like us? <laughs> well, he comes as the shepherd's voice calling the sheep back into relationship with God. Truly, truly, I say to you, I've come to bring the truth to you, the way of salvation as well. But they can't come. They can't, we, we can't come back to God by our own merit and in our, because we have sinfully turned away. We've done wrong things. We can't be with the holiness of God because we are not holy ourselves. And Jesus knows this. And that's why he's come. He's come as the one who is the voice of the shepherd, but also... He's come as the lamb who has laid himself down, laid his life down for our sake, for the sake of the sheep. He becomes like us to take on our sin and die for it. So what? What? So we can come into, back into the blessing and the favour and the fellowship with God. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Do you see? Do you see how wonderful it is that, that Jesus at the same time is the shepherd, is God. He is the lamb who has become like us to die for our sin and therefore he is the door to the sheep, the doorway to reconcile the, the sheep back to the shepherd. God, man, and the reconciler between God and man. So Jesus saying, I am the door, he is talking, he's the way and the only way of salvation. He's the only one who is God and his man and can reconcile 
God, am I by dying for sin on the cross for our sake and rose again to new life, that we might have new life in him. Jesus is the door. He's the way of salvation. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Let's think about that salvation. And I want to focus really on that binary choice that Jesus presents his words in these, the final part of the passage that we've just had read to us. Because Jesus on the one hand is saying, enter by me and you'll be saved and you'll find good passage and life abundantly, life eternally. But he's also said there's a thief. There's one who's come to steal and kill and destroy. And so Jesus is giving us an invitation on the one hand, but also giving us a warning on the other hand. And we need to consider both if we're going to understand this passage. Let me explain what's happening here. Jesus is saying you can listen in life to one of two voices. My voice and build your life on my voice or build your life on all the other voices. <laughs> Could be many and varied, but it's either me or not me. That's the choice that Jesus is putting before us. And he's warning us. Because I think the other voices of life, the other ways of living life, the other voices and ideas that we might found our lives on and might live by, they don't sound in themselves dangerous. Any philosophy or principle that we might live our lives by, it might not sound like it's bad news at all. Many people do live and just think, well, life is just about having a good time and making the best of it. Or what's really important in life is having you know, friends and family around you and just doing good to them. Maybe some people would say, well, what, what, what is life about? Well, it's about trying to achieve your goals. And if you achieve your goals, you'll be, you'll be happy and you'll be fulfilled. What's the voice that you are prone to listen to that, that makes that life's all about, that guides the way that you live and what you go after in life? In my younger life, what I thought, the voice that I listened to was that if I would be, I would be satisfied if I became popular. And believe it or not, to a measure I did become popular. And you know what? I was more insecure and empty than ever before. And that is exactly what Jesus is warning us about here. He's saying there's other voices, there's a, but they're actually the voice of a thief who will rob you. And I think many of us experience that in life. We have these guiding principles in life, but they come true and, and we feel shortchanged. We feel robbed. We feel the promise that they offered didn't deliver. The good times that we're after, they, they're more hollow when we experience them they, than we thought we would. Or, or the friends and family that were so important to us, actually they ended up disappointing us or even hurting us. Or the success that we were after, maybe we achieved it and actually it felt hollow. It didn't answer all our problems and solve everything in our lives. Or if we didn't quite achieve our problems, because we'd put so much hope in, in it succeeding that the failure becomes crushing. My life just is pointless now. Jesus is warning us, don't listen to those voices. Don't found your life on those principles. 
because you're a lost sheep. You're, you're walking through life and there's a thief. There's someone who whispers these things into your ear. And those voices will lead you off a cliff, not just lead you astray. Jesus saying it leads to death. You'll kill and destroy you by listening to those voices. And just like Jesus is offering eternal life, abundant life, have life in me and have it abundantly, there's also a contrast with death, kill and destroy. And I think there's a connection with the phrase here, with eternal death even. If you look where that word destroy, the Greek word that's used there, it's used elsewhere quite a lot in the New Testament. And often it, it does include death and perishing, but it also is used uh, to denote being, being lost and even eternally lost under condemnation. Whoever finds his life will lose it. That's the same word as this. In G you might know that from Jesus saying in Matthew chapter 10. And in contrast to those, there's a sense of being saved and of being eternally lost, destroyed. And that really brings us into what Jesus is saying here is, I guess, being on the, on the wrong side of the door eternally. If Jesus is saying, I'm the door, what happens if you're left on the wrong side of that door? Well, we don't like to speak about it too much because the reality is unspeakably horrendous. Enter by the door and you'll be saved. Well, saved from what? Well, the Bible says saved from our, from our sins, from the things that we have done wrong against the Holy God. Saved from the punishment of those sins and saved from the place of eternal punishment for our sins, which is hell. Jesus said, I'm the door to eternal life. That means he's the only door, the only escape from eternal death. The, the painful death that goes on forever. That's what the Bible says. In fact, Jesus himself talks about hell and he describes people suffering there. And he tells us about it because it's real. And he speaks about it, speaks about hell because it's awful. But he's, he's telling you about hell today because he loves you <laughs> and he doesn't want you to be there. He is the only way, he is the only way that you can be saved from it. He's the only door, he's the only way. But finally, as bad <laughs> as the bad news is bad, even more so is the good news good. In fact, it is so good. The life abundant, eternal life that Jesus offers us by saying, I am the door, be saved by me. It's so wonderful. I can't actually describe it to you. It says that in the scripture, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I can't describe it, but it's fun to try. <laughs> and I believe that we should. We should dwell and imagine what God has got prepared for us, what it means to be in the blessing of the fold of God forever. 
to imagine what eternity is like. What abundant, Jesus says you'll have abundance of life. What can that mean? That sounds, abundant sounds good to me. What's it like? Is it like the greatest, is it like the greatest holiday ever? Abundant pleasure, just fun and laughter and eternal swimming pools. Or abundant peace, tranquility, or rest and eternal, undisturbed peace, just to know peace. Abundant satisfaction, a never, never-ending buffet of delight spread out for us on a table that goes on forever. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think it would be all those things and more. It's the promise of God to us and all who believe in Christ. You know, there's so many things that our hearts long for. We have hearts that desire things all the time. We can't help but desire, long for something. And I don't see why God has put desires in us unless he wants to satisfy those desires eternally. I think that's what a good God is like. We have all sorts of desires, the desire to enjoy, the desire to love and be loved, the desire to be valued, the desire to be satisfied, the desire to enjoy success and achievement. And in a weird way, I think all of these are tastes of heaven. We, we lack what we desire now to some extent. But by desiring it, we're picturing and pointing to a place and an eternity that those desires will be satisfied. Jesus says, I came that they might, they, you might have life abundantly. That's Jesus' promise to you. Come to me. Come through the door. Here's one final thought about that abundant, eternal life that Jesus is talking about. We're reading the words of Jesus as described by John, one of Jesus' disciples. And John actually wrote some other books that are in the Bible towards the end of his life. And they're really interesting because it's John at the end of his life and he's kind of reflecting on his time with Jesus when Jesus was walking around on the earth. And it's interesting that rather than just describe what Jesus did, like he did in his, John's gospel, there's almost like a layer of commentary that John sort of adds to it as he reflects on what did, what did Jesus, what did he say? What did he really mean? What was he trying to communicate? And I just want to read to you from the book of First John, John's later letter. He's writing this at the end of his life, reflecting on the life of Jesus. I can't get over this. Listen to this. John writes about Jesus, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. G John saw Jesus and spoke to him which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you, the people he's writing to, the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. 
That which we have seen and heard, we also proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Do you notice how John describes Jesus? Verse 2, he just describes him as the life. The life was made manifest. We have seen it, the eternal life. It's like John's coming to this revelation. Wait a minute. When Jesus was saying, come to me and you'll have life abundantly, he was, he was talking about himself. Jesus is eternal life. It's, it's not deck chairs and swimming pools, eternal life in Jesus per se. It's him. It's actually, we step through the door, through faith in Jesus, we're stepping into the life of God. We're stepping into fellowship with God. That's what he writes here. The Father and the Son. That is the, the, the hope and the, the joy of salvation for the Christian, not just to know Jesus, but be united with him, secure in Christ. No wonder. No heart could ever imagine what that is like. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Complete joy is found nowhere else but in God himself. And in God himself is where Christ the door takes us. Words can't describe how wonderful Jesus is. But all I can say is that all those longings of your heart, the desires that you've experienced it and maybe you've directed them towards money or success and relationships and whatever, and really those desires are desires to be loved and to be valued and to be significant and to be treasured and to be seen and to be known. When you see Jesus face to face, when you pass through from this life into death, into his life, you'll see Jesus and you'll say, oh, it was you all along. It was you that I longed for. It was you that I wanted. And I have you forever. The beauty and the glory of Jesus will satisfy you forever. He is the abundance that you and I crave that our hearts cry out for. He is the one that our restless hearts were made for. Let's treasure him today. Let's worship him today. Let's live in the hope of he is all the abundance our lives will ever need today, tomorrow and forever. Amen.